You know, the great thing about this whole, fathers, uh, this whole fathering thing is, um, you know, God doesn't need us to look a certain way. Um, we don't have to uh, have the right dress and those type of things. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm being reminded in the back uh, here um, that to announce that the softball team has been victorious. So, yes, after, um, after two and a half seasons of uh, defeat and one tie, let's not forget, um, we did receive a victory on Friday night. Um, it is true that we received the victory by forfeit because the other team didn't show. But um, that's really, ir- that's irrelevant details, all right? Uh, it's a win on the board, so congratulations, softball team. I felt as least sore after that game as any of them, so it's good. So the, now, it, are we done? Can I go back to you? Okay. Uh, great thing about this father thing is we don't have to look a certain way or, or be perfect or, or, you know, have the right dress or family look the right way, have the right house and all these type of things. Um, but we've got to be a father that really loves our kids. We have to be a father that, that loves our kids as modeled by God's word and as modeled by how God loves us. And so we're going to just look at that a little bit uh, this morning. Um, you know, that so- society tells us that really fathers are not really necessary. That's what society tells them. I mean, take a look at Hollywood, and, and you'll know that, that fathers are not really needed. In fact, if you look, take a look closely, uh, you'll see so often that it appears to be that having, having a child without a father is pretty trendy these days. In fact, if you stop and look at movies and stuff and television shows, you probably see that, uh, that families are depicted many times without fathers, but when fathers are there, they're often kind of this bumbling idiot, you know, kind of this dad that is not a strong dad, a strong dad who really teaches into their kids. He's a dad that doesn't quite get it, doesn't, isn't quite in touch. I shared with this quote a while back, and I want to make sure you hear it again today. It's Karen James, uh, editor in the New York Times uh, editorial culture section, she says this. She says, quote, women, women who want children do not need or necessarily want a spouse underfoot. Spouse underfoot. It's a commentary in our culture today that often it's looked at and, and husbands, fathers are not seen as necessary. Now this morning, if, if you're a lady who does not have a father present, we're not necessarily talking to you or about you here. We're talking about how in God's word, he is teaching us and telling us how valuable the role of a father is. And for those of you who are fathers, he is telling us how deeply we have to build into our lives of our kids and how significant it is and what we do as fathers. Let me tell you a couple of stats that, that come when men aren't around. Take a look at this. 85% of all youth in prisons grow up in fatherless homes. 85%, that's huge. 90% of all homeless or runaway children are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. And 62% of youth suicides, they grow up in a, a home where father is not there, not present. Those are important stats for us to think about and us to remember this morning. 85%, 90, 71, 62. What do these numbers mean is what we really ask ourselves. Really, any community that allows a large number of young men to grow up in broken families or to grow up without this significant, stable male influence, that's a community that's looking for chaos. It's looking for struggle. And it's looking for moral decay. 
because the father role is so incredibly, incredibly important. Now, God is this like amazing chess player that if we were to blow the whole board, he could step in and move the pieces where necessary to, to accomplish his outcome. And he does that often in single mom roles and, and in places where a different type of male influence has to come in. But it wasn't God's original intent. And for those of us who are fathers this morning, we want to hear what God's word has to say about this. Men, it's important. It's important that we father well. In fact, it's why at Wendover Hills we talk so much about men and I'm focusing on men and, and focusing on what God wants a man to be. Here's a few other stats to throw at you. 90% of men in America say they believe in God. That's good, right? That's a good stat. 83% of men in America say they're Christians. 33%, though, of men say they've attended church once in a while, yet some ex- experts believe it's close to about 15% of men go to church on any given weekend. You see, Men are an important, important demographic to reach, important that we build into men. Because this morning, I can't tell you a ton about fathering outside of what I know from God's word, but I can tell you this from personal experience, and I think you resonate with it as well, men. There have been many times where I've sat back and I think, man, I feel like I'm kind of failing as a dad here. I feel like I'm kind of failing as a spiritual leader. I feel like I'm kind of failing as, as a husband who loves his wife the way Christ loved the church. And there's times where I sit back and say, God, what, what really do you want out of me for success in this area? And so this morning, we're going to look at just uh, one key aspect this morning, men, that we really, we really have to hone in on this morning. Really, I believe the largest group of unchurched people in America is men. It's men. In fact, here at Wendover Hills, we actually buck hard against the statistics because in most churches, there is a significant number of ladies in attendance without their husbands present. Dad's out doing something else, working, playing golf, or or maybe just at home. And we don't quite follow that trend, which uh, praise the Lord for that, that we have men that are engaged. But this morning, nonetheless, the, the Lord wants to speak to us in this area. Men, here's the thing that we want to talk about this morning. Men... We have to be available. We have to be available. You see, even in homes where dad's present, often dad is disengaged, disconnected with what's going on in the family. Dad is living in the house and functioning in the house, but many times he's not connected with the core things that are going on in the life of his his spouse or the life of his kids. And so this morning, the word we want to hear here is that we need to be available. Really, dads, let's show up is the word here. We need to show up. We've all seen a movie at a time where it's depicted in the movie a kid that is hoping his dad would show up either at the game or the recital or that type of thing. And somewhere in the course of that movie, the the kid turns and pans the audience. Dad's not to be found at all. Now, usually in that movie, there's some redeeming story where at the end of the movie, dad has figured it out and heard the right message and he will, you know, never again be disengaged with his kids. Sadly, though, many dads, we don't actually get it, learn the lesson and figure it out. This morning, the word for us is just to be available. Take a look at this passage. In fact, if I were to preach really 52 sermons a year and I was only allowed one passage throughout the Bible to really share, this would be a significant one to be sharing with parents in in general, with dads this morning. Here, it's found in Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. You know what the passage is telling us? We've got to be available to our families this morning. We have to be available to our kids, available 
to our spouse. Sometimes we get a little mixed up, and if we're not careful, because we assume this leadership role, or we say we assume this leadership, sometimes we think we function kind of like, you know, the king in the palace who sits in the throne, and the subjects come to him every once in a while and ask of him what they can do or what they need or what the king might do for them. And then they go off and do whatever they do. (laughs) That's not how God designed us to function that way. None of us dads serve as kings. We serve as ones that are available to our family, engaged with our family. And what the Bible is telling us here in this verse is that not only is it something to be written on our hearts, God's word and God's ways to be important to the core of our being, we're called to impress them on our children. I love the way the passage tells us to talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Now, when I was uh, younger and, and uh, Mark Wilson was my pastor, I remember joking with Mark Wilson and saying, you know, as a pastor, the way you teach your kids is you probably go home and you set up a pulpit and, you know, in the living room and you call them all together, sit them in rows, and then you preach a, you know, a sermon to them, an hour and a half or so long, and that's how you teach your kids. Guess what? Um, that's not how it happens with pastors either. My kids would probably not make it three minutes in that type of setup. It's just like the verse says, when we're at home, when we're along the road, when we lie down, when we get up, that we're impressing these things and talking to these things about our kids. So for that, being available to our kids, there's a few ways we can be. Number one, we want to be direct with our kids. As we don't want this to work like we've said, osmosis here, where we just think if we go to church every once in a while, or if we have a Bible somewhere located in the house, that somehow that will trickle down into the lives of our kids and they'll, they'll get it. Somehow if we just get to church every so often, you know, holidays or special events or, or, or those type of days, you know, it'll trickle down and it'll get its way in to our kids as well. It's not the, really the way it works. We're called to be direct in our teaching and in our sharing, to, to let our no, kids know what we believe and what, what we're passionate about in our own walk with Christ but also to let them know about God's ways, to let them know what's right and what's wrong, and to teach that. We don't want to assume that just because we're Christians or we go to church that our kids will automatically grow up and love Jesus. We want to teach them what it means to love Jesus and talk to them about that daily. Second thing is be casual in it. What do I mean by be casual? It means just talk to them as you go. You don't have to build up some great event. Now, last summer, um, my son turned 12, my oldest son, and we did a rite of passage trip. We'd been planning it for years, going back nine or ten years, that when he turned 12, all of our kids, we'd go on a rite of passage trip. And on that trip, I would walk through certain topics, and and we would would talk about those type of things, things like sexuality and things about about, uh, money and and future and those type of things. And so we, we did that on this rite of passage, this weekend long trip. But you know, you don't always have to be as formal as that. You can be casual every day when you're walking and when you're with your kids and you see something out there and you say, you know, what do you think God would think about that? Or why do you think God would have us stay away from that? And you engage in this conversation with your child. The worst thing would be if somebody asked you, uh, really, what, is your, what does your child know about God? What do they think about Jesus? And you were to say, um, I don't know. We've never really talked about it. The Bible's saying, impress it on them casually as you go, as you're talking. You like to get out, as some of these guys do, out on the disc golf course with your son. Walk that disc golf course and let spiritual conversation come up and process those type of things. You'll be amazed at the things that they pick up on that they're not going to pick up on that formal teaching session. And finally, you know, we also, we want to be excited about our faith. 
it's pretty hard to be excited about something that somebody else is not excited about. Meaning, if you're impressing it on me and you're not very excited, I don't really care, right? I don't really care. And I think sometimes here, I've always uh, enjoyed the fact that, that some of you are so excited about inviting your friends, your family members, your neighbors, your coworkers to church because you're excited about what God is doing in your life and you're excited about what God's doing in the life of Wendover Hills. Imagine, what would it be like if you were embarrassed by your church or embarrassed by your relationship with God? Chances are that invite's not flying out. Well, think about it with our kids as well. With our kids, when, when we're excited about our faith, when God is doing something in our life, when we're opening ourselves up and saying, you know, Lord, you know, transform me, change me, deal with me how you want to deal with me, boy, that brings some things up that are exciting to share with our kids. They're exciting to tell our kids about. You see, when, when I was on that rite of passage trip, I talked to James And one of the things I told James as we walked through these five core principles, four of these five, um, I I had maneuvered pretty well in my life and stayed out of pitfalls. But the one area, the area of spending money early on in, in our marriage wasn't very good. And we had to dig out of a hole seven, eight years long. We dug out of that hole because we were, we were wowed by, you know, the timeshare and some of these other things. And, and though nothing's not wrong with necessarily any of them, it is wrong if you can't afford them. <laughs> and somehow we just kept managing accumulating these things. And yet we, we'd look at our, our bank account and think, oh, we can't afford this. How do, we, how do we survive? We had to dig ourselves out. But as I'm sharing that with James, you know the excitement that I was sharing with my son? The excitement I I was sharing with my son is that, look, we were able to dig out of this. And we're living a life now without those pressures. We're living a life now, a life of of more financial freedom in that. You know, we're not buying the yachts and traveling around the world. But we're living a life without the pressures of what we put on ourselves early in marriage. That was an exciting thing to share with my son, that, that God can help you overcome. When you surrender to his principles, God can get you out of these pitfalls, and you can live this, this exciting, joyful life. And we felt like we experienced that. And then, of course, the teaching of James is say, now, don't ever do it yourself. <laughs> don't live those seven or eight years. They're not a joyful seven and eight years to live through. Be excited about your faith. What's God doing in your life? What is he doing? Now, chances are... If you're not allowing God to do anything in your life, there's not a lot of exciting things to share with your kid about your walk with the Lord. And so sometimes the call, the thing we need to hear the most is, how do I evaluate my own spiritual growth right now? How do I evaluate the position I'm putting myself in to hear more about God? Takes us to our second point this morning, and that's we've got to be available to God as well. Hey, this morning, this may come as a shock to you, but let me say it so so it's clear. Look, your family is not your number one priority. It's not your number one priority. As Christians, we we sometimes lose sight of it and we think, well, you know, I'm going to spend time with my family and not spend time with God, and that's okay because it's my family. You You won't find verses backing that up in God's Word. Is your family important? Absolutely. Incredibly important. But your relationship with God is the most significant thing going in your life most significant thing. But sadly, often we don't make ourselves available to God, just like we would make ourselves available to our kids, our spouse, our friends, so that we get to know them, invest in them, and engage in them. We got to make ourselves available to God as well. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and always acknowledge him, and he will make your paths 
straight, all your heart, in all your ways, leaning not on our own understanding. You see, the verse is, it's kind of an, an all verse there. It's telling us the level of where God wants our relationship to go. It's not just one of the things we do in life, along with the several other things. It's the thing. It's the most significant thing that God has for us. And this morning, um, though many times in my life, I look back and I say, man, I'd blown it as a dad. I shouldn't have done this. Why did I do this? If I could go back to when they were two years old and set a better president, uh, I wouldn't have to deal with some of the stuff, you know, that I deal with. I realize I've created some of these things with, with my fathering. But I know one thing. We've tried very hard to make ourselves available to God to say, God, what do you want out of us? Convict us. And I believe because of that, God has at times said, Tom, you're missing the mark here. It's time to, time to change something up. You haven't quite followed my principle over here. I know it's hard, but you need to give this up over here. And I'll make your path straight. I'll make it right. And I'll make it right with your kids. Here's a couple things to, for us to keep in mind as dads. Dads, this morning, number one, give, give him, give God first place in your heart. What does that look like when we say we give something first place in our heart? Well, this is how I look at it. Think back to when you were courting your wife. Think back to what that time period looked like. That was probably the, first, the most important thing in your heart. I mean, I think back to the courting and the, some of the stuff I did with Sheree, I've never repeated in the, you know, the last 16 years of my life. Not because I don't love her. But there was some stage I was in. There was some craziness in the way I processed. There was some even irrational, silly things that just seemed like that's the way everybody functions, right? Well, I was courting her. I mean, I was thinking, man, this is the most incredible girl I've ever experienced in my life. And if there's any way possible that there was some opportunity that she would be interested in me, if that would in any way, some way lead to her actually being interested in me for the rest of her life, you know, that would be the most amazing thing I could ever even process. And so I can remember some of the, th- the things. When she went to, uh, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I went out to California and I left for her a little present in my car. I asked her if she would warm up the car once while I was gone. And, uh, and she put in this, I put in this little box for her to open when she looked in the car and it was a baby it was a baby giraffe, which she loved giraffes. And then um, next to it was a baby elephant. I wanted her to open up the baby giraffe thinking there was a mama giraffe. Um, she knew my favorite animal was an elephant. And so it was a little subtle, you know, baby elephant, baby giraffe, right next to each other, you, me, next to each other, you know, maybe forever. Um, she, I don't do things like that quite like that. Um, you know, I'm more now just, you know, a little more direct with it, not, but... But man, man, when we give something first place in our heart, it's significant. If we're not careful, guys, sometimes the things that get first place in our life are, you know, our, our vehicle, our toys, our, you know, the golf clubs, uh, things like that. Maybe, maybe our time with our, our friends and things like that. Um, that becomes first place. God's saying, look, give me first place. Give me first place. This morning we opened up with, a, you know, that song, Here I Go Again on My Own. Walking down the only road I've ever known. That's the lyrics there. And I'm thinking, you know what? That describes us as dads often. We're just walking the road, walking it on our own, walking. It's just, it's what we've known, so we keep walking that way. And this morning, God's saying, look, give me first place. Give me a chance. You know, just give it a try. You know, call it your 30-day trial, 90-day trial type. You know, you see it on TV, money-back guarantee kind of thing. Just give him your heart and see what he might do in your life. 
Second thing, give them the first hour of every day. I think this is significant, guys, and I can't find a verse in God's Word that would tell you the first thing to do when you wake up in the morning, you have to give an hour in devotions this morning. There are certainly passages that say, you know, in the morning I will give you praise. I will lift my head up to you. Psalm 5 tells us that. But I'm telling you, guys, we wake up in the morning and we prioritize being with God, being in his word, spending a little time praying, walking through, saying, God, you know, what do you have for me today? What do you want to work on me today? Boy, the, the way we look at our day, the glasses we wear and how we view our day is so much different. It's so much different. Now, sometimes we think it's kind of, you know, like the antibiotic, where if we just do it two or three days, then boom, we fixed everything in our life and everything's good. It's more like, you know, the vitamins, healthy eating, that type of thing. We just make it part of our everyday life. It's amazing how God will transform us when we give our kids, or excuse me, God, the first hour. The other thing it does is it teaches our kids how important God is in our day. Look, I, you know, I'll be with you in a second. I got to spend my time with God. Or when our kids walk down the stairs or around the corner and they, they see us sitting there engaging in God's word and praying, powerful testimony we're doing for our kids this morning. So, so this morning, we want to be available to our family. We want to be available to God. And this morning, last thing I want to tell you this morning, men, really, I think to be good fathers and to be good, the men that God calls us to be, we have to realize, like uh, anti what the song said, we have to realize we can't do it alone. We can't make it just on our own. And so this morning, I want to remind you, men, as the Bible, maybe the verse that you hear often, in fact, it's amazing how often secular places use this verse, and they even, you know, carve it onto, into stone at places. They just forget to give the reference at times. And the Bible says in Proverbs, as iron sharpens irons, so one man sharpens another. It's so important, men, that we find men, godly men, that will challenge us, that will hold us accountable, that will push us, that when we let a godly man into our lives and we come to him and say, what do you think about this? And then we hear the answer that's from God's word, not necessarily the answer we wanted to hear, but we hear what God has to say. Wow, that, that's, that's impactful. It challenges us. It calls us up to a new level. For Father's Day um, last Sunday, you know what my family got me? Uh, they got me a pull-up bar uh, for the doorway. And um, I, I don't know, I, I was thinking maybe it was the equivalent of like, you know, buying your wife a broom for, uh, for Father's Day. You know, it's kind of saying, um, you're a little puny, Dad. Um, your little, you know, arms are looking a little flabby. Time to get up there and, and do some pull-ups. Not really. I know what their intentions were, and it was good. I've been kind of getting into a little workout kick, and, and uh, I thought, you know, maybe by my 40th birthday next year, maybe I could do 40 pull-ups. You know, and uh, you know, sitting at three right now, I you know I think, <laughs> pace wise, I could probably get there. Um, yeah, but what what they're really saying is that you're you're not going to do anything, <laughs> you're not going to get anything done, you know, without us giving you a pull up bar so that you can work out, you can do something, you can you can be pushing yourself hard. You know, that's what we need, men. We have to have an accountability partner that is that pull up bar, that thing that's pushing us, challenging us. That, as the Bible says, it is sharpening us in to something better. Three things quick this morning, guys, that come out of this. Things, things I want you to remember. Number one, rally your family around the Word of God. Every day, without fail, feed your family from the Bible. You're called to be that spiritual leader in your, ha- in your home. Open up God's Word. Rally your family around it. Don't just think it'll happen because the Bible's sitting there. 
Rally your family from the Word of God every day. Secondly, uh, bring your family to church every week regularly. Show up, be involved, serve together. Uh, be together here in the Lord's house. Process at lunchtime. What, you know, what was said? What did you learn? What, what's God teaching you in your life? Rally your family around it. I find there's a, there's a principle at stage. If, you're, if you do something 100% of the time, often your kid ends up doing it 100% of the time. When you do something 80 your kid's going to do it about 60, 60, maybe 40, and on down it goes. Our kids need to see that we are committed, 100% locked in. Now, don't hear that wrong. You know, we're not keeping, you know, the big attendance sheet for the sake of, you know, calling you and saying, you know, you missed a week, no golden star for you. Um, that's not what it's about. It's being here and engaging your family in spiritual growth and being able to process and worship and be serving and those type of things. Finally, like we just said, latch on to a couple men to hold you accountable. You've got to be vulnerable before somebody else. You've got to put yourself in a position where somebody's speaking into your life and caring for you and challenging you where you need to be. We can be pretty secret, dads. We can be pretty private. Um, God's Word tells us, just get somebody into your life, and we'd be happy to even help you in that area.